Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Good day and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with your hosts, Trisden and Ray. We hope to leave some of the social polarization behind and dig into the gray area middle of society and politics. When the far left and the far right hate us, we will have succeeded. Trisden and Ray back with you today. Ray, I think we're talking about health care. We're going to talk about health care. However, would you mind if I threw a little... Off to, you know, I've, so I've listened to some of our podcast, Trisden, now that we're, we're having them dropped, which is a term the kids use, apparently, because Raymond said, Dad, one of your podcasts dropped. I was like, dropped? Did it break? <laughs> no, Dad, that's okay. Because I guess rappers drop albums. So our As do rock stars. Uh, I, I think, so we call this extreme common sense, which might be pretentious, but we're extremely commonsensical guys. But I thought a, a subtitle would be slightly off topic. <laughs> I really like that. I just thought if we hadn't went through the trouble of of uh, if it wouldn't be trouble to change the name, man, a little off topic. A little off topic is man. great. So going a little off topic, we are going to talk about healthcare. But let me just bring up one of the great comedy minds of our generation. Norm uh, passed away this week. Norm McDonald, um, who was sixty one, and I'll be sixty one here in a week's time. I didn't realize we were that close in age. I knew we were of a of a generation, but I know he was one of your favorites. So give a shout out to. To the late, unfortunately, Norm MacDonald. You know, he was just one of a kind to the point of so many comics sound similar. When you watch comedy, if you're a student of comedy, if you're a fan, Norm MacDonald sounded like nobody but Norm MacDonald. <laughs> like he was a different guy, but different in the way that Einstein was probably different in science that a biology major at EKU is different. You know, he just really stood out and... For those folks that want to go and watch some of his hour stand-ups, I mean, just unbelievable. And he was, I think, that term that gets thrown around a lot, but truly a comics comic. Like right. the, the, the Conans and the uh, you know the list of comedians who cited Norm as a guy. Um, uh, Colin Quinn was talking about him. Like Norm would do stuff that other comics wouldn't try because he didn't care. He just, right? He was so uh, you know self-effacing and just he was great. I know Letterman loved him. Yeah, and he uh, will- Conan loved him. Norm liked to fail. He Norm yes. found his humor yes. in you know in the irony yes. of being on stage yes. and telling a joke and no one laughing. Like he he loved it. He just found it that was great. Be- and that's where you really have to appreciate because I have this opinion that um, stand up comedy is the hardest thing in all of entertainment because it's you and a microphone. Heck, we're doing this and it's you know tough enough, but we're sitting in a studio and we don't have to face anybody. Right. I mean, goodness gracious, standing in front of a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand people and your job is to make them laugh. There's really nothing harder. And bombing is. You know, every comedian has their story of bombing, and Norm sort of just welcomed it. It, like, made him go. Yeah. Yeah. And if you watch the movie Dirty Work, you know, that was Norm's sort of feature film, and it didn't get a lot of love. But it was 
literally one of my favorite comedies of all time. Oh, I, that's the three o'clock train. <laughs> I don't think everybody got Norm. I think you would run into He's a people different guy. Who, yeah, yeah, very subtle. His humor was so subtle, you know. And actually, he lost his job as you read some of the things. Him and Olmeyer because he wouldn't move off the OJ stuff, right? Because I he guess, found such comedy and then lost it. his job at Saturday Night yeah. Live as the Weekend Update host. Yeah. Because yeah, they, I guess that guy had some ties to OJ. But uh, yeah, such a shame. But you know, Norm certainly went on to have a pretty phenomenal career but watch dirty work treat yourself you're going to be hearing this probably about a month after norm's passing right but it's a little uh fresh for us so check out norm mcdonald and uh yeah thanks ray it's, yeah rest uh, in nice peace to... norm you were gonna, one of the good guys so i don't know what the world's best segue is other than hopefully norm mcdonald had really good health care when he passed away <laughs> because he's been sick he was sick for like a decade good lord that's a good segue <laughs> yes i like it so you know there's so many great things. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't even say. I mean, I guess there are some great things about healthcare in America. There are some great things. Yeah. Would I, a point of privilege, would you be offended if I read a brief history of employer sponsored healthcare? No. And try and make it as brief as I can, which is never very brief. Please. Um, all right. So this I found on the Google machine. And basically it says, as Americans continue to bait the impact of the Affordable Care Act, perhaps a quick look at the historical timetable of employee-sponsored health care would provide context for today. And I won't read all of it, but basically before the 1930s, the American public largely paid their own way where medical costs were concerned. With the exception of a few industries, employers by and large had little motivation to provide health coverage. Americans who worked in dangerous professions, mining, steel, railroads, did have some access to doctors and industrial clinics, eh, um, but certainly not health care as it exists today. And those clinics were some of the early uh, predecessors of businesses becoming involved. Then basically the evolution was FDR gets elected in 1932, chooses not to pursue universal health care coverage. Now, there were people who were telling him to do that, but he, being an astute politician, um, realized that tying universal health coverage to his want to Social Security might doom both of them to failure. So he pulled back on universal health care. Didn't know that, Me right? Neither. Pretty interesting. interesting. So Roosevelt's decision left unresolved the pressing need of many Americans to deal with health care in the grips of the Depression. Many were hard-pressed to find money for essentials like food and shelter, and health care took a back seat. So into this environment came the beginnings of private health insurance. Blue Cross Blue Shield plans paved the way for private insurers to begin crafting plans to meet the needs of a growing market. And at this stage, employers were not generally in the p picture um, these original health insurance offerings were purchased almost exclusively by individuals. Once America became embroiled in World War II, there was great concern that inflation would threaten America's military effort. Didn't know this. In 1942, a Stabilization Act was passed, freezing wages, because they thought that was a way to fight back inflation. So what employers did is because they couldn't give more money to workers— is they began to offer health benefits as an incentive. And that is the advent of America's uh, employee-sponsored health care system. Well, well, thank you, Professor. Yeah, I hey. did not know that. 
Well, I would love to say it's my huge brain trism, but Mr. Google helped. <laughs> Mr. Google helps me all the time. But isn't that crazy, man? It is. It, and it's good to know a bit of that history for sure. Well, I think so, because if yeah. you're going to talk about our health care now, you probably should know the history of how we found ourselves. Because when you think about employer health care, it is kind of odd. Why should, your employ- why should your employer really care about your health care? And I don't mean to be callous about that. At the same time, why should you have to stay with a job you hate simply because you have health care and might not get it at the next job right that's right a, that's weird yeah it's a strange system i think and you know i've never lived anywhere else enough to judge other systems but of course you do see a lot of other systems in the news that you think you know i don't necessarily think that we need to jump immediately in to a single-payer system but some of the stuff that Canada's doing, you know, I think Hawaii actually is a single-payer system. Oh, yeah? In the U.S., believe oh, really? it or not. Okay. But, you know, some of these things are pretty great. You know, I'm not saying that well, the, our system is garbage and yeah. let's trash it. But, you know, and I think what America does is we take some of what works from everywhere, right? We're the melting pot not only in our uh, culture, but we're the melting pot, I think, with ideas. So, yes, I think we need some vast improvements, and I don't know if single-payer again is the way, um, but there's definitely um, a pretty universal opinion that it's not phenomenal. Single-payer? Right no, 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 or what we're oh, doing now. Oh, yeah, because yes. I was going to say, you know, this does cut across political lines. Liberals generally in favor of single-payer. Conservatives, it's anathema. They hate it, and you'll always get that conservative. And again, to reiterate, uh, extreme common sense, we're not trying to pick on left and right. We're really trying to find middle ground. But sometimes, you know, the things are self-evident that's conservative and liberal. You'll get conservatives saying, oh, single-payer is terrible. It doesn't work anywhere. Then you'll run into somebody from Canada who's like, oh, I love it. It's great. Run into somebody from England who says, no, it's fantastic. Right? Right. Which I'm sure you have. Yeah. And you the know, lines are endless. Uh, no, they're not. Yeah. Well, we talk about messaging a lot. And one of the things that I'm fascinated with in the healthcare world is if you ask all Republicans, if you want to go to a socialized medicine or a one-payer system, you're going to hear an almost universal no. No. But if you ask the same group of Republicans, if you'd like to go to Medicare for all, the numbers flip exponentially and it's the same question with different wording because medicare works right ask and ask an 80 year old i have an 88 year old very conservative mother-in-law ask her if she likes her medicare (laughs) you know what her answer is going to be hell yes and you know it's such a funny thing tristan and again i'd love to get an md in here to sit with us and i don't profess to speak to him but my understanding is an honest doctor will tell you that his or her income is largely derived now or 50% of it is derived now from the federal government why well because of medicare because of disability because of people using social security payments because of medicaid for indigent folks a big chunk of almost now, I'm sure there's some doctors at the high end, plastic surgeons in Beverly Hills that aren't dealing with that. But but every doctor's office is, is involved with payments from the federal government in one form or fashion. So there is an argument, make it 100% and be done with it. Well, I think that's a good argument. And I think functionally, that's the answer, right? But if you switch to Medicare for all right now, I mean, you're looking at losing a lot of... Uh, a lot of the economy, a lot of insurance folks immediately don't have a job. So it's it's easy to say that fundamentally, 
in a different system, it would be more functional, but you can't crash the economy, right? So that's it, isn't it, Tristan? And insurance, folks, it really, if you think about it, maybe well, And it's not just insurance folks. I mean, insurance folks, but also medical salespeople. Like, uh, you know, coders and all of, that. So, so two things about that, if I might. I think one is that there is a strong argument that you don't want to run the risk of messing with a system that is probably the best in the world for those who can afford it. Now, right. my wife and I find ourselves in a fairly enviable position in that as a retired school teacher, she had wonderful insurance. And, you know, I've got some situations that I won't go into, but, you know, I need medical treatment for, take some medication for, and I could call and be into that office tomorrow afternoon. How are the inflamed testicles, and by the way? <laughs> yeah, you had to tell oh, them. Son was of it a God. secret? You oh. don't see the pain on my face <laughs> or the ice bag? Well, people don't realize that Nicki Minaj actually <laughs> tweeted about you the other day. Yes, yes. Uh, can we edit this, Troy? Um, but, you know, I can see good docs. And, and America's system of healthcare is wonderful if you can afford it. Not the best at the bottom. So that's one part of the equation. The other part is, and there are friends of mine who are insurance agents. So much like the doctors who might have fallen off the chair when they heard me say, make, make it 100% and be done with it. There's going to be a, a couple of uh, disgruntled insurance agents. But I get someone who can open up your chest, add 10 years to your life or, or, or do a surgery on your brain or even make your foot feel better, right? I get that they should be paid money. I'm not arguing against that. I know Trisden wouldn't. I'm not exactly sure how the insurance guy fits into that. And I think that's a huge part of it. Like I get insurance. You can still make money on houses and cars and boats and jewelry and life insurance, but should they be involved in health insurance or should it be more of a direct payment from us to the MDs? Why is the insurance guy making money off health coverage? Well, I think that's the one of the issues. You certainly feel like there's a lot of people with their hands out when it comes to medical decision making and everything we have done and pay. Like, you know, we're paying hundreds of dollars for medicines that literally cost other countries pennies. Right. So it's obviously we're doing something very wrong. And if that is the insurance companies, I'm not saying it is, I'm not smart enough and that well, that. here's the thing, though, Tristan. Um, we do do that. However, like anything else, unintended consequences. So you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. What do I mean? Well, America's research and development is tops. There's really, really second to none. The Germans do some. The Swiss do some. But when it comes to R&D, America leads. Well, part of that is funded by those drug costs, by those medical costs. So you you want to be very wary of tinkering too much because some of those medications that are helping extend people's lives and helping them fight ailments came out of American doctors doing research. I mean, we've got one of the best research facilities 30 miles away at the University of Kentucky. Enormous amounts of money goes at into UK. Patty taught English as a second language and got so many uh, Chinese students and, and uh, Indian students, so on and so forth, South American students whose folks were here at UK. Professors doing research. It's a wonderful magnet. And there's an awful lot of federal money that goes into that. Now you start pulling away, you know, some of that you've got, that's another situation. So there's a lot of unintended consequences. Right. So I think, you know, it's funny. We spoke recently about um, the Mark Marin podcast. I'm sure he needs the promotion. He does. Us. So, exactly. so if we can help him out and get him a Mark, few Mark, if listeners. you can help us out, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
but he's I, a pretty cool cat. He is, and I listened to his, the Obama I- interview that he did, and it was, uh, you know, it was kind of eye opening listening to Obama's thought process. The most downloaded podcast in the history of podcasts was Mark Maron and Barack Obama. I just heard that recently. Yes, yeah. So yeah, and, and it was a really great episode. But listening to Obama talk about why he didn't push for single payer versus trying to update what he did with the uh, ACA. Yeah. So derisively called Obamacare by conservatives, right? That is correct. But he embraced it to his credit. Call it that then. Yeah. Yeah. And his reasoning was he felt like, you know, again, to get rid of everything we had, you're literally fluctuating one sixth of the American economy. Speaking about these folks that are $3 trillion, maybe. Oh man, if you've got those numbers, good for you. I believe I, so. I, I, yeah. I think our gross domestic product is about eighteen, and healthcare is about three trillion dollars. Yeah, and if you're thinking of it in terms of that, how many lobbyists are is our Senate and Congress? You know, meeting with every day. There's a lot of money behind not turning our system into a single payer oh, system, and that's both parties. That's not a cut on oh, no. either way. There is a lot of money being paid so that we all are still a little bit screwed when we have to go get some uh, get some medicine. Right. And nobody likes this part of it, Trisden. And look, I've been wrong about a lot of things, and maybe I'm wrong about this, and maybe this is a how dare you say that. But I'll say it, because I don't think anybody else really does, and anybody else really says this. If you're instituting a single-payer system in Finland, in Denmark, even in the England of the 40s when it came in – oh, when it – ESPN update, son of a gun. <laughs> when it, Fantasy football. When, when it came in in England, when it, uh, when it came into Canada, those are countries that look the same. The, the person at the top in Canada looks like the person at the bottom. The person at the top in Finland looks like the person at the bottom and so forth. That's not the case here. The people at the top in America don't look like or share any lineage or background with the people at the bottom. Now, has that been an impediment to instituting something like a, a, a system of, of uh, you know, single payer for health care? Frankly, I think it has. Man, that's an interesting point. So you think, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with you that that's, I won't use the word racist, but there's a race factor involved in our healthcare system. I've always thought so. Well, let me well let me throw this at you. The poor people in this country, and I do not begrudge this, you know, uh, having watched my mom go through cancer treatments for a couple years, and, and God bless mom, she was uh, on disability, uh, very poor, you know, lived in a, a trailer, and uh, not that there's anything wrong with the trailer, but, uh, you know, a $500 trailer, <laughs> and, right. uh, you know, mom had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cancer treatments that were completely paid, and she never got a bill. The poor folks, I don't know that are the ones that are cheated. I feel as though That's as a middle class American, well, as a working person, huh. you know, I, I threw out a poll on Facebook last night for a little discussion fodder here. And uh, there's a girl that I know have known all my life that is um, an office manager. She has some nursing responsibilities, is taking some, some nursing classes, but is not an RN, full time working as a nurse and is not able to afford health insurance. See, that's just and ridiculous. now I, I don't understand the situation. Now I want the my moms of the world to have health insurance, and so, I don't begrudge that. But what about the 
the chastities of the world. Like that's really interesting. If, so you're kind of making a point that at the top and bottom there is healthcare. It may not be the same healthcare, but you can go see a doctor. Obviously, if you're wealthy, you see who you want. If you're somewhat indigent, you get help from a, you get assistance. But sometimes the people in the middle, like everything else, that that's that's another way to look at it, which is fair. Yeah, yeah. and you actually lived it. No, yeah, I, I got to see that. And again, it's like, man, this is wonderful. America is wonderful to its poor with health care. <laughs> you know, I was really happy for mom. I think she had uh, Medicaid, Medicare, maybe both. Um, but Medicare, yeah, no, yeah. I, I certainly don't begrudge folks good health care. I just wonder at what point do those of us that spend, you know, 30, 40 years in the workforce. Yeah, I, and so how much of single payer Medicare for all is a – a decent message, right? We always talk about how terrible uh, Democrats, <laughs> I sometimes struggle with we Democrats. I don't want to give my hand away. Um, but, you know, how how, uh, Democrat, how Republicans are so much better at messaging. Democrats sometimes screw it up. I think Medicare for all, they realized that single payer wasn't working so well. So they moved to Medicare for all because the people who they know that are, or we know who are on Medicare swear by it. You can be the most ardent conservative and you are a very small minority. If you say, ah, that Medicare sucks, I'd rather be paying it myself. It works well. I find the same about the VA, Tristan. Everybody wants to beat the crap out of the VA, but the guys that I have spoken to, including my own late father-in-law, love the VA. They seem to do it well. Well, that's all socialized medicine. But you wonder how much of the opposition is just an emotional opposition based on, oh, that's the slippery slides toward communism. Right. Or at a minimum, socialism. You know, it's just that. they Conservatives don't want to give that inch because they think they're heading down the mountain. No, that's a good point. And I would just like to see some of these issues without a D and an R next to the issue itself, because it just becomes so polarized. Again, you could take, I was fascinated by the results I got asking people about that on Facebook last night. People that should be in the camp of, I really hate Obamacare because I'm a lifelong conservative, had never had insurance before and right. love it because they weren't able to afford it. Now, as somebody who leans left, it raised my insurance. I didn't love affordable care. It didn't It didn't help me at all, but I try to put myself in the place of- The greater good. The greater good. And I see a lot of my clients, again, that have owned business. What, what's the, what do they call the, the business owners on the far right? The, not the money makers, the job creators. Oh, the job creators. So a lot yes. of job creators <laughs> that had never had good health insurance. And I'm happy for these folks. I want it. And if that's 50, 75 extra bucks a month for me, that's fine. But again, it just always seems like this middle of the road working class speaking from a man that's probably planted right in the middle of that. It just seems like somebody's always worried about the poor and the rich are always fine. I don't understand why there's never a movement to make affordable health care just for the middle class. Well, it's leave, funny. Leave, leave the poor alone. Leave the rich alone. So. I'm going to be facing that situation, Tristan. So Patty's a few years older than me. She's turning 65 in January, meaning she'll go on Medicare. So our health insurance now comes through Fayette County, where she's a retired school teacher. That's Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, and it's wonderful. However, it's going to end for me. So I'm going to be on the market shopping. And I'm thinking with a couple of pre-existing conditions and being a 61-year-old male, I'm looking at probably somewhere between six and 900 bucks a month. Wow. 
Yeah, right. And and I will. Well, let me just add this, which means I've got to continue to work. If I harbored any notion of retiring early, that basically goes away because I got to fill that gap between now and my eligibility for Medicare, which is September of of 2025 when I'll be 65, which is four more years, right? Yeah. So I can't retire early simply because of effing healthcare, health insurance, right? Which seems effed up i almost used the f-bomb twice but those are that's weird yeah right that shouldn't be well and i won't make this like a state exclusive issue but you know the last time i was unemployed or um you know didn't have health insurance it was probably you know 19 20 years old but i remember somebody said hey you can get this cobra insurance or whatever oh my god and it was, you know, it was like eight, nine hundred bucks a month. Now, I don't know if unemployed folks in California can afford that, but I know the unemployed folks in Kentucky don't have an extra nine hundred dollars. So I did a little around. research on that because this is where I'm at now. So Cobra is two percent above the actual cost of health care, meaning that if you're if you have a health care program and you're putting in fifty percent and your employer's putting in fifty percent and it's five hundred dollars a month, two fifty's coming out of your paycheck, Cobra's gonna add another two percent on that, whatever that number is, forty so you're you're paying the entire cost of the health insurance that you have plus two percent. That's how Cobra works. Now they do offer it to you. I'll have that option via Fayette County and, and they'll carry that for eighteen months. That's a lot of money. That's a very much lot. That's a lot of money. So, and again, it, it's almost unaffordable for most people. I yeah. mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but there's something like 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. If you're living paycheck to paycheck and then you don't have a paycheck, you also don't have eight, 900 bucks to throw at Cobra or unemployment and health insurance. What, uh, 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 I was going to say Obamacare. Let's just call it that. That's what Obamacare, AKA the Affordable Care Act was supposed to step in and fill, which it has in some ways, but also it's why... Um, health insurance, uh, health coverage was being was being rationed, Tris. And that's another crazy thing you'll hear out of the right. They say, well, we don't want any rationing of health care. Health care in America is already being rationed because people are making those choices that they're not able to pay that. Thereby, essentially, it is rationing by another name. Yeah. Hey, so I know we have talked a little bit about uh, doing this, Ray, and maybe midway through the show and we didn't talk about it, but I've again, put out this little Facebook uh, question last night. So I have got, uh, you want to break up the show here? I could read a couple of Facebook sure. quotes from, absolutely. Uh, all right. So I asked the question, yeah, basically last night, what do you think of your health insurance? I did this on my personal Facebook page, but I'm going to start uh, next week doing this every week from the extreme common sense with Tristan and Ray Facebook page. So follow that guys, if you would, um, and we'll read your quotes on here and literally Tens Very of cool. people will like hear it. your comments. So like um, a buddy of mine, Kelly, said- <laughs> What was that number? Literally what? <laughs> literally tens of people <laughs> will hear your comments. Like Bernie <laughs> Mac's Thousandaire? <laughs> Thousandaire. That's it. So Kelly, a good friend of mine who I've known since college, a uh, special place in my heart for health insurance. Kelly's being facetious. Kelly is a 30-something-year-old man. I happen to know got cancer. Hmm. Wasn't prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, His insurance certainly wasn't prepared for that. Lost his job. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if he went into bankruptcy, but uh, was certainly very close. And I think that's a failure of the system. That is a huge failure of the system. Um, Let's see. Uh, Chastity, I already mentioned. I don't have health insurance, but I think Medicaid is wonderful. Most of our clients have it. And for the ones who have commercial, it sucks. Uh, let's see. They're out of pocket is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's cheaper for them to self pay and never meet their deductible. I feel so bad that they're seeking help and have to pay hundreds of dollars for counseling. 
Uh, Matt, who we both know pretty well, said Anthem Blue Cross, no complaints. Uh, Jamie, our good friend, uh, we have insurance through the wife's employer. You hear that a lot. One of the couple usually has good insurance. Right. The other one uh, struggling. Maybe you're in a little bit Absolutely. of that boat, yeah. as you just mentioned. So Jamie said, we have insurance through my wife's employer. It's always been fine. Could be improved, but could be worse. It's kind of a, a pretty consistent... Um, it's okay. I'm hearing a lot of that. I'll paraphrase a lot of folks. It's okay. But Tristan, the first one you read, Kelly, I believe. Yeah. That is something, again, that I don't believe the most ardent conservative can defend him. And I have that example in my own family. I was a 19-year-old kid when mom was diagnosed in January of 2019 with um, with a cancer that took her life. She was sick the entire year, passed away December 18th of 1979. And it essentially broke my dad, who was a guy who got up every day and went to work, raised five kids, paid his taxes, went to church every Sunday, was a committed uh, American patriot, left a piece of his butt on the battlefield in, in, in the Battle of the Bulge. I still have his Purple Heart. He was that guy, and it broke him. The most ardent conservative cannot defend that system, and there is no defense for it. And that doesn't happen in Canada. It doesn't happen in England. It doesn't happen in France. It happens in our good old U.S. of A. And again, not to pick on you guys, but the most ardent conservative can't look me in the eye and say, well, it's just the way the system works. There's nothing wrong with it. Yes, there's something wrong with it. Yeah. That needs to be fixed. That's it. No, and, and I made this point to you, uh, you know, in one of our previous conversations talking about health care. You know, I watched um, – uh, my wife doesn't like probably when I mention her in the show, so I won't say my wife, but somebody I care about deeply his grandmother passed away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she was ill for a while and had to be in a nursing home situation. And now she had retired uh, from, she had babysat. Her husband was a government official, worked for the post office to the point of retirement. Also a magistrate, I believe, uh, in local politics. Everything they owned was paid for. Uh, lived a very good, clean life. Had a little piece of the American dream. Very wonderful piece of the American dream. And uh, by her getting sick and going into a nursing home for a few years, puts them to the point of everything they own being auctioned off. Yeah. Now how is that, that a sucks. good how is that a good system when you work 40 50 years and you can't leave your kids a little it's not. something. Yeah, it's not. That's a that's a broken system. When you just basically hope you you know you die in a car crash so you're not a 3 year burden and you lose everything that you could have left. Right. So no and then again we see situations where somebody uh that doesn't work that is uh you know has government health insurance and then everything they own is it's paid for and they can leave it which isn't going to be as much but it is a broken system you know what's tough too um is so i don't know if this was gotten into in the Marin obama podcast the most downloaded podcast ever maybe this one will become that <laughs> um, we think we're number four but you know in a certain way and and you and I I'm going to assume probably both voted for Barack twice but really he was a bit disappointing in this debate I give him credit for putting it front and center and pushing it hard and he did it early but he didn't go far enough he he even the public option if you don't want to go single payer at least go public option but he backed off because you know he did a have half thing figuring if he pushed too hard it would all fall apart 
But in some sense, he pushed the debate 20 or 30 years down the road because they reformed a little bit at the edges, but they kept insurance companies wholly in it. In fact, it was almost a handout to to insurance companies. They probably got the best deal of anybody. And again, it's going to have to be explained to me. And there are probably insurance agents who would come in here and explain it and hopefully make it make sense. But I, again, I'll just reiterate it this way. I understand the MDs being well paid for. I understand the nurses and the staff being being well paid, not well paid for, but being well paid. All of that makes sense. Nobody has any trouble with that in terms of the profit margin. Even a hospital making a profit is fine. That's their job. Just don't know how insurance ties into that. I don't know why that has to be a part of it. I, I don't think that it does. I think maybe that's where the reform should come in. But Obamacare actually made that aspect of it worse. The insurers are more deeply in now than they ever were. It's a great question. You know, and certainly for me, it's, uh, I'm not smart enough to say, oh, that's that's how you trim the fat. You know, I work with a lot of insurance uh, agents locally and just find them to be, you know, wonderful. But again, to your point earlier, is it a situation where they focus on life and houses and yeah there's you know, plenty to insure all the other Boats things and jewelry and guns and yeah and we and, and and maybe we find a way to supplement what we're doing with them I, I i don't know what the easy answer is because actually tristan i think the notion of nationalized health care is is sort of a misnomer it's nationalized insurance that's really what it is true the, the there becomes a payer a single payer but it's nationalized insurance it's not really nationalized health care and it remains imperative that within any kind of a reform like that, you have to have that choice. And that was where Obama got himself in some trouble. The right accused him of being a liar because right. some choice of doctors went away. No, that shouldn't happen. If you have a doctor you like and some system comes in that pays he or she differently and they opt out, you have to have a way to be able to go to that doctor. They can't force you to I go agree. to a different doctor. Right. So those things have to be worked out. Yeah. And I read um, read an article about uh, Canada's health insurance. And one of the things, somebody had went up to Canada for a vacation, broke an arm. And it was a fascinating story for me. The guy broke his arm, you know, went to the hospital. And he literally went from diagnosis to treatment to surgery to cast to pharmacy. And they knocked every bit of it out. Now, if you you know as well as I do, you've got any medical condition, you, you go to your primary doctor, then they have to sign something to allow you oh to go to God. a specialist. All the gatekeepers. Then the specialist says, okay, you're going to need surgery. So in two weeks, you're going to do that. So it becomes this process. I mean, even if you have cancer, I mean, it, you're six weeks away from a treatment because you have yes. to go to this doctor That's and right. this doctor That's and this right. doctor. And that is something that I think- They kind of cut through that? Money irrelevant. They've been able to cut through that because there's not, you don't have to go through six doctors and there's not 12 people with their hands out to get paid. Hey, you've got an injury. We're going to get you better. So let me ask you this. Was that, is the Canadian cast, did he say, is it two hockey sticks taped together? (laughs) No, (laughs) from the folks I've spoke with, it seems like people are very happy. You know, that wasn't to, a shot at the Canadian healthcare. It was a <laughs> shot at their love of. I could tell you a very off-color joke, but I can't because it's a family-friendly podcast we're, we're about gonna, about we'll Canadians about Canadians watching hockey games. Uh, but I can yeah, imagine. That's, see, that's that's really true. And you do. I, I know of people, Tristan, and it seems crazy that have gotten a bad diagnosis from their general practitioner, and the general practitioner told them go to the emergency room because you'll get 
treatment quicker going there than going through me because I've got to write up my referral and you'll have to wait two weeks to see that doctor. Then at least if you go to the emergency room, almost like the Canadian uh, model you just said, they're going to treat you right there. But problem with emergency room is it's the least affordable way to treat somebody. Very expensive. Very expensive. Here's a little side note. I've got family members, and this is something that you may not even know from as growing up in a very, very poor family. What would happen is if you got sick as a kid, they would just take you to the ER because it's right. all paid. And I think there's right. been over the last maybe few years, there's finally been some, hey, we can't do this for everything. We've got to not do that. But as a, and again, it was all paid for. I mean, you just, you're in, in the emergency room with a cold, you know, and there with a guy with a broken arm, you know, just <laughs> waiting your turn. But uh, just as another way folks have gamed the system over my the years. Great. We're slightly off topic. <laughs> which, you know, um, I was in an emergency room for kidney stones, which I believe I believe kidney stones cause more emergency room visits than any other ailment. Really? Yeah. Well, you think you're dying, Gosh. man. You never had them? No. I had them. I had them twice, Trisden, twice. Woo. Twice, as some twice. of our Kentuckian friends say. I've picked up that term, and it's, <laughs> it's terrible. Twice. And I had kidney stones twice at probably about age 30, and then again just in 2017, which actually uh, manifested, or not manifested, but wound up with the liposcopsy, I believe it is, where they go in and bust it up. Miserable, miserable affliction. But I still remember all those years ago when I was in there here at our local hospital in Richmond, there was a dude with a fish hook stuck right oh, no. through his nose. And see, that's not really, it's, it looks rough and it's painful, but it's not really an emergency. So they kept bypassing him. So he was sitting there for like hours. So I guess the only <laughs> way that happens is his buddy rears back on the cast and just catches him, man. Oh, and, man. you know, don't pull it out. Don't cut it. We're just going to take you to the emergency room. So he had a fish hook right through the bridge of his nose inside wow. the nostril. Oh, my God. And that's Never the guy forget that-, that. Now you see kids who wear that as a fashion. Really? Well, I'm I've just heard- saying. You know, some of the the tattoos and the piercings, which could be a whole nother show. That's the guy they always find for the evening news, right? Oh, the yeah. The tornado rolls through. Oh, the guy with yeah. the fish hook through his nose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I, we should probably wrap up this episode. I'll tell you what, other than those couple of digressions, this was one that actually we, we pretty much stayed on topic, which I think goes to the importance of this issue because it does literally affect everyone. Right. At some point, you're going to need a doc. And I wish we would have solved it, but hopefully at least uh, we'll forward the discussion to smarter folks. It's moved. I mean, the needle has moved on healthcare. you know, in America. I mean, it used to be just complete anathema to the right, and and some folks have, have moved some. And I think a part of it, Tristan, is even though uh, the Affordable Care Act was a long way from being perfect – People have taken advantage of it, as you said before, and realized, oh, okay. This well, the pre-existing so condition mandate. Just on, that alone. That alone yes. was, was, was a huge deal. Right. And I had people reference that on the uh, topic on social media. Absolutely right. Because, again, that's back to insurance, right? So the insurance actuary looks at it and says, mm, now that's a pre-existing condition. That could cost us money. We're going to throw you off. Or we're going to have to charge you so much that you're going to voluntarily get off because they're looking at having to pay out because of your pre-existing condition. That's not right. Not right. That's not a system you can defend. Hey, let me leave you with this, Ray. I read this uh, in preparation for us discussing healthcare, and somebody had said it online, and I thought, that's phenomenal. Okay. Imagine any other industry in the world where you went in for several services and had no idea what you were going to be billed until you got home two weeks later. 
And, and, Boy, that's and, the truth. and that doesn't set you up to sort of get to, for people to scam you almost, you know? Right. Oh, of course you buy all your groceries. Oh, you got the thousand dollar tomatoes. <laughs> you know, oh, I would have never bought the tomatoes. Ah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. But I thought that was a pretty good point. And pretty, maybe point. that, if nothing else, is something that we could probably all agree the surprise costs and fees should certainly not, not be a part of it. But again, to be fair, our system here is good if you can afford it. No and, question. And, and the point you made about the people at the very bottom, they typically I, – I, I'm not a huge fan of, oh, the poor have it great in this country because I always say, oh, if you feel that, then trade places with them. <laughs> but I, fairly, I certainly take your point yeah. on the fact that indigent folks can get – coverage through different programs. Right. Those people in the middle, and I think that's best typified by the story I told about my dad. And the unfortunate thing, Trizan, is that's 41 years ago, if my math is right, 42, and it hasn't changed that much. Cancer can still break you, or a, or a it doesn't just have to be cancer, a, a medical, uh, you know, a heart surgery or something. It shouldn't break you. That's all I'm saying. For somebody who's done everything right, gone to work every day, paid their taxes, served their country, you can't have an illness or a disease that you certainly didn't want and didn't ask for break your family's budget break the bank it can't happen we all agree and it does happen here so you conservatives tell us how to make that better i like it we're waiting uh find us on facebook and let us know trisden and ray uh, extreme common sense you can find us through stoveleg media now so thank you nate we're happy to be a part of the group uh, thank you, like, Nate. Thank you, Troy. Thank you, Troy, here at Front Porch Studios. Thank you, Jeanette, and everybody that's uh, been a part of helping out, giving feedback. Thanks, uh, Mark Marin, for that thanks, quick mention. Mark Marin, hopefully, will we'll, we'll get us in his thank yous this week. So, uh, folks, we look forward to see, uh, talking with you again next week. Ray, always a pleasure. Always tr- look forward to it, Tris. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.